The Overview is a production of Chamman V TV. Find out more about the show at chamanv.tv. All right, guys. Well, welcome to episode 67 of The Overview. I'm Chamman V, and joining me tonight are Fishsticks and ZP, my co-host, as always. What's up, fellas? It just doesn't quite feel the same. Without the intro video, yes. I know the Wait, intro I can video. do it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm, right. I'm actually updating the intro video anyways, but I've been trying to set up a new machine. The video, for some reason, does not like my new machine, so we are just not having it today. But we do have a new guest. Or a very, you know, a special guest. Actually, Jake, have you been on the overview? You've never been on the overview. You've been I've never been on the overview. Yes, I have so. been on Unfiltered. Yes, so this oh. is the first timer tonight. And I want to welcome Jacob Wolf, ESPN reporter, writer, all that good stuff. What's up, buddy? Doing well. I'm doing well. I'm getting ready to fly to Evo tomorrow for yet another fun event. Oh, but, that's uh, nice. Yeah. Weekend. Weekend. Evo is great. But I, I will see you yeah, there, my friend. Great. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, Ben's cool. probably going to be there. Yeah. I don't think Ben has missed <laughs> Evo in like years. <laughs> no, this will be number either. seven wait six it, six it's it's probably the busiest week of my life aside from like the league of legends world championship because really? the content demands for both of those events is just unmatched so i am looking forward to the more overwatch events i do especially the big ones and what they like compare in terms of like how much work um mm -hmm. but yeah uh league of legends and evo are always just swapped like this what, are you, what are you covering these days you, you just cover you're covering league of legends overwatch and just all of FGS or, or FGC or just Smash or anything specific? Uh, so I, I like to, I've kind of like, kind of went back to the business world aside from like League of Legends roster season. Um, so a lot of stuff I do is like signings of players and and um, things like reporting on Overwatch League buy-ins and, and okay. monetary exchanges and things like that. But uh, my games, League of Legends, Counter-Strike, Call of Duty, Overwatch, um, four FGC games, so both Super Smash Brothers titles, Street Fighter, and Injustice. Um, and then I think I'm forgetting one. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> Counter-Strike and Wall. Counter-Strike and League. Right. So those yeah, those are my and I like a lot of them too, and I play a lot of them. Well, that's good uh, that you like the, the things the that you're, you're covering. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't what do you think of Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite? Just to get that out here right now. Um, so I've only played a little bit of it. I do have the demo at home. Um, generally seems like a good game. I was a big fan of Marvel vs. Capcom 2 and Marvel vs. Capcom 3 and all of the, the versions of it. Um, so it's very different because it's 2v2 and it's a lot slower, which I think is to kind of attract more viewers and a more popular audience as the FTC grows and does things like television. Um, but good game. Um, <laughs> curious to see how it is when it comes out in September. All right, well, given that we're not a, a fighting game show here, why don't we get back to Overwatch? And we had some big news today uh, that was announced this morning, a release, press release uh, in the morning by Blizzard. And um, it, it's pretty, it's, it's a, definitely a lot that was reported by you, Jacob, last week. But they have announced the first seven cities that will be partaking in the Overwatch League. And uh, along with that press release, obviously came a video that Nat that Nate Nanzer you know, was you know doing this kind of official announcement, as well as we see a Twitter account now for the Overwatch League, uh, and then a few you know a few tidbits that we'll talk about in, in, in a second just for the press release. But I want to start off with just getting everybody's reaction to the announcement this morning, Ben. Uh, nothing too surprising if you've been following the rumor mill and, and the leaks. A lot of this was already out there. Uh, that said, of course, you can 
analyze this and just dissect it in a hundred thousand different ways. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm very interested by this specific list that was announced here. Uh, I think one of the things that really stood out to me is that there's only really one endemic team owner on this list. Noah Winston, uh, Winston for Immortals. You could argue, of course, NRG is an endemic team, uh, but they're much, they're very new. So is Immortals. Immortals and NRG are both new. Uh, but when I look at these teams, I think like Andy Miller, okay, he's like a tech mogul. He's been around in the sports industry. Out of the seven teams, there's only one that really truly feels like a grassroots uh, endemic organization, and that's Immortals. Uh, but obviously, like we knew what was coming. We were at BlizzCon. We we knew Robert Kraft was there. We knew that that was going to be a huge deal. And just to get an official confirmation that Robert Kraft and the Kraft Group are backing this game and this esport fully is an incredible, incredible revel revelation to get that officially confirmed. I mean, that alone is an incredible news story for esports and not just Overwatch, but esports broadly. Yeah. Having yeah. the news out here in general is very, very good because, yes, even for those that have been in and around the scene, have known a lot of this in the shadows for a while where, you know, as Ben mentions, a lot of this isn't too much of a surprise. I mean, people hear rumors and whisperings uh, on the inside, but there's a lot of people that don't, right? There's a lot of people that aren't able to follow it as closely. So having this out there in full, having a relatively, like, it's an impressive list of owners. So to have that out there in the open it's a very good thing. I mean, it, it's a case where you had people, of course, speculating, going, well, gee, what's going on? I don't know what's happening. Well, now you have a better idea of what's happening. And for me, it's just, it's promising, right? Where you already know, okay, these are seven cities that are starting out with. On the uh, North American side, you have some classic sports cities like, say, Boston, LA that are already involved. New York and yeah. SF. Yeah, so, I mean, for, absolutely. Yeah, so as far as it goes, I mean, I think it's a very positive announcement. Mm -hmm. Jacob, I mean, you've you've always been in the, just been hearing all about this for months now. So, uh, what do you think about the timing of it by Blizzard? Uh, so I think it was a little slow, but I mm -hmm. understand um, some things had to change to kind of get everyone in on this deal uh, to kind of have everyone participate. Uh, my understanding is that some of the terms, not the buy-in price, uh, but some of the other terms, rev share and, and stuff, have been a little bit more adjusted and, and communicated between all parties, Blizzard and the teams. Um, so I understand why it's slow. Um, Nate, Nate Nancer has done a lot of flying. I hope he has a frequent flyer <laughs> account, but how many people he's gone and seen, uh, and how many people I know he's talked to, he's been in front of a lot of investors, uh, sports owners and not sports owners, business moguls too. Um, so great news. Uh, I'm very happy that it's finally out there. I am sick of her hearing endemic teams who do not have anywhere <laughs> close to $20 million right. say that they have spots in Overwatch League and attempts to sign players. Uh, they are full of it. Um, so I'm very glad that the seven founding teams out there because now it's very easy to say, look, this is who has the spot. Go sign with them, not somebody else. Yeah. I'm just in the same boat as all you guys. I mean, it's definitely really, really happy that this news is finally out there. Uh, not surprised, but um, I think the real question for me is, uh, what's next? You know, like these seven cities are officially announced. I know I can understand why they wait for seven or just at least a number that's in this kind of range, just because, you know, when you first come out, you want to be announcing a good group of cities. You don't want to just be announcing one city at a time and doing that sort of thing. So I kind of get, get why they waited for this, uh, at least this collection to get, uh, solidified and out there. But now it's just like, okay, how many cities are we going to have in total in the first season? 
I don't think it's just going to be seven. I, I think this is just. I hope not. Yeah, I know. This seven is would be a weird trying. number. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's that's true. The conferences would be off. Opened yeah. with seven. So, lucky seven. As a good omen, is that you'd have to think that there's more cities involved, at least one more, but very likely more because this would be sort of an odd opening number, the same yeah. list. Yeah, let's go through this list. Yeah. We haven't even gone through yeah, this yeah. list. So it's, it's Robert Kraft, <laughs> yeah. chairman of, that, of the Kraft Group and New England patron Robert Kraft. J Jeff Wilpon, co-founder and partner of Sterling, venture capitalist and uh, CEO of the New York Mets, which he's probably better known for. Uh, Noah Winston, CEO of Immortals. Ben Smoot, CEO and co-founders of Misfits Gaming. And what's interesting about Ben is he's got Miami and Orlando. How did he? How did he arrange that? Because those are different cities, guys. Right? They're not, you know, just Florida, like the Florida Marlins or anything actually, like that. So it's actually a pretty. It's a pretty easy answer. Um, I don't mind saying it. Uh, yeah. The six. The six teams, not Misfits were on this list as of last Thursday. Misfits oh. was added on this list over the weekend. Oh, so okay. they so were decided, a quick basically. they were a quick close. Okay. It was gonna be a six person announcement and number seven came in right before this planned announcement, which was always today. Hmm. Okay. So it was gonna be announced today regardless. It was gonna be the six. Right. And they closed over the weekend. Okay, so, so we'll get to Ben in a second, but Andy Miller, chairman and founder of Energy Esports, NetEase, and then uh, Kevin Zhao. Who's co-founder of Cub Kabam or Kabam, however you pronounce that? Um, yeah. So with the Miami Orlando thing, is it just a an issue of not knowing which one it is, or does he actually have two teams, or what? What is that exactly? He has he has one team, two cities. So team, he will cities. be representing both. Okay. Um, wow. That's interesting. I, from my understanding, I did not hear a lot of Florida names uh, in this conversation. I heard a lot of different names in, in the conversation of cities and potential investment partners and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, there were not a lot of people uh, that were discussed about in Florida. Uh, Misfits was the only ever credible one discussed in Florida. So, um, yeah. Okay. One thing that I think is really worth noting here in this list, and it is remarkable, because of just the level of respect he commands. And you know, I'd be curious for Jacob's point of view on this, but Robert Kraft, there's no doubt that in terms of the sporting world, he is one of the most respected owners in the NFL, both for his success in the Patriots and just generally how he handles himself behind the scenes. How important is it for Overwatch League that you have someone like Kraft involved early on in the process that does command that level of respect where a lot of people go, well, if Kraft is doing this, this is clearly smart. Like, how does that help Blizzard, I guess, going forward? So Blizzard has uh, sought Bo uh, Bobby Kraft or Bob Kraft for a long time. Um, he has been one of the earliest people that they talked to, which is why he was at the Overwatch League meeting. He is also a very good friend and golf buddy of Bobby Kotick, the Activision <laughs> Blizzard CEO. Yep, um, yep. So he, he's great personal friends with uh, them. In fact, when I first started reporting on this, and one of the reasons, uh, I first heard the Kraft name, I think, at the beginning of April. Towards the end of March, beginning of April, right after South by Southwest, I came home and started digging, and that's what I found. Um, the reason we waited till May to report on that is because there were a couple things. So there were a lot of numbers being thrown out that were different. Um, if you remember, the Sports Business Journal reported that the initial buy-in was 5 to 10 million, with upwards of like 15 in bigger markets. Yep. That's not the case. 20 million is the correct term. Um, but there were a lot of not, bigger numbers too. Like not confirmed by Blizzard yet, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there has been a lot of numbers that were thrown out, and and there were a lot of weird agreements. But essentially, 
Bobby Kraft has been in this world for a while, and he's kind of commanded respect. And Blizzard's used him as a token. Blizzard has gone to oh, other owners sure. <laughs> that, that they've pitched to. They've gone to other owners, and as you can imagine, Blizzard has gone, hey, we have Bobby Kraft committed to this, so should you. And, you know, they've used that as, as basically leverage. And, um, yeah, he demands a lot of respect. He, what it's the like recruiting. Done as you know, an organization. It's like recruiting. You yeah, gotta what, have your star recruit so that you can lure other people and maybe even help him help him recruit some for you too. Yeah, and I mean, like he, the first few teams reported. Uh, Richard reported that it would be the Miami Dolphins, RSE Ventures, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which are the owners of that, which they are not buying in, uh, as you can tell by based off the list, or at least not currently. Um, and then additionally, the Crafts. So um, those. The crafts is all they have been a motivating tool to other teams, and Blizzard has used them exactly as that. And I don't want to extrapolate on this too much, but I would not be surprised at all if the entire reason that the OW League was even birthed into existence was because Bobby and Bobby, Bob and Bob, were able to <laughs> hit it off and get this relationship going. Obviously, you know, there's all kinds of things behind the scenes really? to take into account, but but. Having somebody like that alone can be enough to get this started. And I really think that that, that is one of the big motivators here is, was just having that initial buy-in. I mean, if you actually watch the Bloomberg interview, it looks like Bobby Kotick and, and Bob Kraft, you know, they're like, you know, patting each other on the back. They, <laughs> Got their they, arms they, around they, each other. You can stuff. see the yeah, camaraderie exactly. between those two men. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, it, yeah. It, it's just obvious. Like it, it's obvious. He's been around. Uh, he's been involved. He saw Overwatch League, uh, you know, get announced in November and seen the thing. And the Crafts Works groups are no dummies. Um, they have a lot of money. Robert Kraft is worth like five billion dollars net worth. Last time I checked, um, they have a lot of mo- money, but they do business well. And like using them as leverage is intelligent by Blizzard. Well, the other thing, too, is that Kraft is always looking for new opportunities. I mean, you stop and think about something that's worked out really well for him, too, is that he also got involved in Major League Soccer. Like, he, mm-hmm. uh, yep. he's the owner of the Revolution as well, got into that very early, and that's paid off as soccer has uh, gone up in popularity as time has gone on. So, I mean, he's someone where, especially when it comes to the sporting world, he's not shy about looking at new opportunities. So yeah. one thing one thing to his credit from everything I've heard from people is essentially, and I don't want to harp on him too long, is that a lot of NBA owners, the reason they're so good at business is because they look at other opportunities outside of their basketball teams. Um, so they look at tech opportunities that benefit. Well, Kraft has that same mentality, even though he's much older than a lot of the NBA owners. And the fact that he's looking, he's built things like Patriots Place in Boston. And he's built all these like tech show fun, you know, come, come see the football game, but also have some fun doing other stuff that's not football. So... Um, he said in that Bloomberg interview, like we, we look at sports in general and we, uh, you know, we look at what's, what's viable in sports and we believe this is something that is. Yeah. And that's, that's the type of people we were looking for in terms of investors in esports is our folks that I think come from different places and are hopefully going to bring some of the good things from those things into, into what we're doing here and, and kind of mix it with what we're doing. So, um, I think one thing to clarify for a lot of people listening or watching watching is just the the buy-in amounts. So just to be clear, for these seven teams, was it the same buy-in amount for each of these these cities? And then the next question is, will the buy-ins be different for future cities? Or will they just be the same for every single city in this first season? What do you yeah, guys think? Yeah, all 20 million. All 20 million. 
from what I'm told, all $20 million across the board for all seven. Mm-hmm. Um, subject to change, I would imagine, uh, it's $20 million over time as well, to clarify. It's not like you have to write a $20 million check to <laughs> right. Blizzard right now. Um, you pay that over time, over a number of months. Um, so $20 million across the board, uh, not guaranteed if you buy in at a later date. Particularly, say they do something like an expansion, price will probably be bigger. You know, after they start the league, and if the league gets popular, then I would imagine the price doubles, triples, quadruples, bigger and bigger. Right. So, okay, that's um, so getting in early, I guess, is a good thing. <laughs> is what I'm, I guess, trying to get to, where a lot of these people are waiting, right? And they, they I think, a bunch of teams that uh, we've been talking about taking a step back from Overwatch are in a mode where they just want to see what the first season's like, second season's like. Maybe they, they try to get in later, uh, partnering up with maybe some other investors and things like that. It's, at least that's kind of what I'm envisioning from a lot of folks now. Um, one of the interesting things that was mentioned in the press release is they, they talked about uh, just, some of the, just some of the revenue uh, um, generation that's included in it. And one thing that they brought up was just that uh, the teams are or will have license to operate and monetize up to five amateur events in their home territory each year, and then um, to benefit from the sale and league affiliates, fan items, and you know Overwatch with fifty percent of the revenues going into the net share revenue pool for all the teams, which we'll talk about in a second. But that mention was actually kind of cool. Like that, that was something that I hadn't heard in, up until this this press release. So. Are they going to be using these local sites to, as as a way to do you know some of these amateur, these uh, smaller events that you know we've been maybe talking about or missing like in the community? What do you guys think? Well, the left open they have left open the possibility to do so. I mean, mm-hmm. where that goes in on the spectrum of stuff in year one, I guess we'd have to see. But it does mean that that was a consideration that was being had, where mm-hmm. maybe uh, things are going well. Because one thing I'll say is that geolocation seems to be a really key part of this, right? Where you want to promote the city and everything else. So having local tournaments where you now have, say, you know, I don't know what, say, Boston TV call, but the Boston Overwatch franchise is now holding a Boston-sponsored Overwatch tournament, etc. I mean, it's a good way of promoting the franchise, it's a good way of promoting the game, so on and so forth. But, I mean, the key thing there is that it's something that they have in mind. Also, remember, Overwatch League is only supposed to be a part of the year. So mm-hmm. there's yeah. a whole That's what not, I mean. there's a whole off season where there're going to be plenty of opportunity to host tournaments. Who knows, maybe we get an ecosystem where you have a traditional sports model uh where there's a really consistent schedule every single week, you have play days uh for, you know, 5-6 months, however long it is. And then the entire off season, you could have the same caliber of teams potentially playing in tournaments, but I don't know. It seems I, I could. It's an upside, but I don't. I don't really know how many team owners and, and coliseums are really going to want to do this. I mean, look at the Overwatch ecosystem today: ESL, DreamHack, MLG. These <laughs> they haven't had any tournaments in a very, very, very long time, and everyone's like, "Oh, we why why we don't know if we want to do this because Overwatch League is looming." But why would you host a Smash Bros tournament? You know, DreamHack has Smash at every single event. 
it's not like they're banking on getting into the Nintendo League. That's not going to happen. I mean, maybe it will. Let's cross our fingers. Yeah. But yeah. so people are already not hosting ter- major land tournaments for this game. So I don't really know if it's going to be huge. Like, even if there is a long, lengthy offseason, are the players and teams really going to want to go to these big tournaments? And if it's like this, if it's only B and C tier level teams, the tournaments aren't going to be that hype anyway. So yeah. It's a nice to have, and maybe it'll pan out into something good. I'm just not super optimistic. Yeah, I'm. De- it's so, definitely interesting that it's only five amateur events. See, like, there's an actual number on it, so it made me think that there might be I, bigger plans in the making for it. I have some counterpoints uh, okay. to both of you. All right, so anyone notice how after uh, Alienware Monthly Melee ended that there's surprisingly no more amateur tournaments over a $10,000 prize pool? Yep. And that's because Blizzard cut those off because that's of contenders. What I mean. um, right. Yeah. So, so yeah. The, the I think part of buying in is you get to host these. And uh, there's one team that we haven't talked about in uh, depth here that actually I think will take huge advantage of this, and that's Immortals. Um, they are LA. in mm-hmm. the they're in LA. They're in a giant market. But not only that, their most recent investment comes from AEG, which is an event company that owns. Not only LA Live, which is the centerpiece of downtown LA and sports, it's where ESPN's LA offices are, that's where Stable Center is, that's where Microsoft Theater is, but they own Stable Center, they own Microsoft Theater, they <laughs> own the Novo Theater, which is a smaller theater. So they own three different sized venues a small venue, a medium sized venue, and the freaking Stable Center, like where, you know, the Lakers and the Clippers play basketball. So I really think if you're Immortals, this is your time to kind of make money because you can host like amateur open tournaments in in LA where you just have a bunch of teams to sign up and who cares if they're not good. Like, let me, it's just let me another clarify money one money thing here. And this is a case where I guess it depends on, I, I we don't necessarily know the specifics ourselves, but I would say key here is what is the definition of amateur? If the definition of amateur is anything that's not an Overwatch or Overwatch League tournament, then that is bigger, right? Because you could leverage all of that to host a very, very large event that could have a large prize pool and basically be every bit the event that you would see from a just large land event held in any other game. And it would still be classified as amateur in the sense because it wasn't an official Overwatch League event. If that's the case, then there's really big potential there for the offseason in terms of what you could run. Yeah, but if it's something that's no prize money or anything like that, then yeah, it's not likely to be a very big thing. I'm thinking it's going to be what Jacob's alluding to, which is they're going to be these type of tournaments that we've been used to, you know, and, and it's going to be potentially made into a bigger land tournament. Um, I don't, does that mean that they can just host a bunch of teams like from all over the place and just have them come there? Or is it supposed to be more, you know, focused on say, if we're talking about immortals in LA, is it supposed to be focused on immortals and doing like a show match type of thing, or, you know, that includes immortals. And that's the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what, what that's going to encompass. I have a feeling if you're in a big market like Los Angeles or New York and you, you have a venue you can use for free because it's your, like you're invested in by the people that own it. Uh, and you just like open up that like, hey, we're going to throw ten <laughs> to fifteen to $20,000 in this prize pool and you and your buddies can sign up as a team of six to play Overwatch. Like, I have a feeling that will make make some money. So like, you, you mean you like the old MLG model? Like <laughs> yeah. you, you got to pay yeah, to play? Yeah, it's, it's literally the FGC model, dude. Like you pay that 60 bucks sweet. to register and you enter. Like, yeah. like I mean, that, you know, that would be awesome. Honestly, like, I actually <laughs> love this. I love this idea. Nothing like... 
one thing that, as an esports fanatic, the last six, seven years have been insane. The growth every single year has been significant. But the one thing that always was in the back of my head is like the amateur semi-pro scene has nothing going on, and like there's there's very little to build up. So, you know, maybe you're onto something, Jacob. This could be pretty cool. I and. Honestly, think think if you're a team owner, right? Think if you are Immortals. Think if you're Noah Winston and you have to go to AEG pitch, like you go to your investment board and you're like, hey, I need $20 million to pay this to, to Blizzard to be a part of this. And you look at one of your biggest investment parties or partners and you say, hey, I can give you more events where you just make a bunch of money. Like you charge somebody like 30 to 40 bucks to enter it per person and you just make a lot of money. Like that's what I got when I, when I saw this amateur tournament thing was essentially like you can just host tournaments for fun. And just use your weight and use the venues that you have connections with and just make money. Like, you can do it. It's Blizzard cleared. They can have a prize pool that you can set up yourself and you can make returns on it. Yeah, that's definitely really cool. Um, okay, well, getting back to, uh, you know, just like the owners and, and the teams. So right now, you know, one of the things to think about right now are just like, okay, what teams are these? Because you know, we, we have some teams that are obviously going to be associated with these owners and, you know, like Immortals, obviously, right? Misfits, obviously. NRG, obvious. What about the other teams? Like, what are you guys thinking? They, are we going to see Envy at one of these basically be picked up from one of these teams and maybe Rogue and, you know, just full teams right now from these seven owners? Well, if you go all the way back to BlizzCon last year, it seemed to me and to a lot of people who, who, who saw what was going on there that Blizzard's biggest goal and major intention was to get the endemic esports team owners into the same room with the mainstream sports owners and big investors and the money people. So that in my, my perception of it was they really want to actively encourage Cloud9 to talk to owners of X-Sports team and so on and so forth. So my original expectation was that that was going to happen. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's, they're going to try to do buddy system and every endemic esports team is going to try to find uh, a money guy to help them out and, and give them a stadium and, and all that stuff. Uh, money guy is a very derogatory term. I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. should put it like that, but you get what I mean. Uh, the, now, all of a sudden, that is starting to seem slightly... I don't, I, I don't know. It doesn't look like that's happening at the all. The fact right that now. it's $20 million, what incentive do they even have to bring in an, an, an endemic esports team? I mean, the knowing how to market to the fans, like having play, proper player management, sure, but you can just cherry pick and hire people from from within the industry. So mm -hmm. I really don't know. Like, I, I certainly, I, I truly hope that that is where we go, where we do see Robert Kraft work with, you know, Jack or Cloud9 or whoever else. Uh, but all of a sudden, hearing $20 million reaffirmed and basically confirmed now, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure it'll happen. Who knows? Well, it sounds like some of these teams are, you know, that have gotten investment recently, and we were all anticipating they would be making a play for Overwatch League. It seems like they're making plays in other games also. So in terms of these guys that are, are in it for the Overwatch League, is it a matter of just not being on you know just not not being on the same plan with that you know like let's just say robert Kraft doesn't isn't interested in any of the other esports like not league of legends or anything else so is that going to be conflicting with working with you know like a t like a team liquid or a cloud nine or anything like that well so i have a feeling just kind of oh sorry on the point of uh what fish Six was saying i think that we'll see a mix i think we will see some people who hire managers that have worked in the overwatch and the esports spaces 
and the managers will assemble teams on their behalf. But I also think we'll see teams get bought out. Um, I know that there are a few teams on this list that aren't, that don't have teams like Energy and Immortals and Misfits that probably will just straight buy a team, like from another owner. They'll buy all the contracts and they'll buy a manager. And like, there you go. Like, there's your Overwatch team. Yeah. And hey, so, I mean, Cloud9 benefits from that too. They get money. <laughs> right. One clear thing, one key point you're kind of touching on here is like, well, what about the endemic orgs that have teams in multiple different games? It's like, it, if you take a look at how teams run things in the more traditional sporting sphere, you don't have it run in quite that fashion. You might have an ownership group that has stakes in different organizations, but generally speaking, there are lines drawn. Like you don't have the New England Patriots running both a football team and a soccer team. Like, no, you have, even though Kraft owns both the Patriots mm-hmm. and the Revolution, there was those are still two different entities there. You don't have the same management yeah. directly doing. We one saw, we saw Paul Allen too, right? He owned like the, yeah. the Seattle, team, you know, Portland and yeah. So, right. We, so, so it's a case where as far as that goes, there is that I do think the endemic orgs as esports gets bigger, as you do get more viewership, as you have more traditional interests looking to esports as a way to bolster live viewing audiences in a time where a lot of people are going to Netflix or going to things to avoid – basically have the scenario in general viewing that makes live sports really attractive. So that's going to make esports more attractive. But going forward into that, I do think we're going to be moving away in general from the idea that you have this, like, one mega org that's running multiple teams. It just – it makes more sense to split things out in the longer term. Oh, really? Okay. So we'll have less of these all-encompassing esport brands and more specific to each of the games. That's where I would imagine I think, things. I think that's possible. Well, I think okay. that's possible. Never really thought of it. I, I also, I also think it's worth mentioning that a lot. You mentioned that teams are raising capital and spending it on other things. So the other spend is the the LCS, uh, the League Championship Series, which is half the price uh, for something that's a little bit more established. It's ten million dollar buy in, mm-hmm. uh, ten point three million dollars, or no, no, it's thirteen million if you're a new team. Um, so I think uh, there are a lot of it's conflicting messaging to me. Uh, Blizzard was very, if you remember two months ago, uh, Blizzard came out and responded to several reports and was like, hey, we're very inclusive to endemics. Um, I got to talk to a couple of endemics about it as well. Um, sure, you're inclusive to endemics, but at what point? What if those endemics don't have $20 million to drop on your league? What if those endemics would rather drop $10 million on Riot's league? Especially if they already are in the Riot space if you're a Cloud9, which recently sold... of their equity for $3 million means they're valued at $30 million. So, um, yeah, I mean, at what point do you just say, I'd rather invest in that than this? And, like, Blizzard is subconsciously, uh, or rather not subconsciously, excluding endemics by making such a high price point. What was the timing of the the Riot one? Was was this in response to Overwatch League, like, purposely competitive? So Riot's been talking about doing it since, like, end of 2015. Okay. So um, it's, it's been a discussion with owners and businessmen and everything. Uh, but they did, They did. so after all the articles were published about Overwatch League uh, being a $20 million buy-in and kind of alienating both endemics and sports owners that didn't want to pay that much money, um, Riot, about two or three weeks later, announced that all their details. And uh, from my understanding, Riot has a big line waiting out of the door. And that's the difference, is Riot Riot doesn't have to sell anything. They don't have to make the phone calls that Nate Answer is making. Well, they, they have had, people they have ready to buy it. They have a product so. that's already been 
been going for years now, you know, so they, they have something to show. Yeah. That's the biggest difference. And it's twice as much too. That's <laughs> the difference. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, I've heard a lot of optimism about Overwatch League being bigger because it's a newer game and it can grow. Right. That's, that's kind of the argument right. is League of Legends may have peaked, right? Like you're buying into League of Legends a little late. Um, right. And, but the, the argument for Overwatch League is it's new, it's hip, like, and there's a chance that this is not, nothing's even started as to how big it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, you touch on a point that I was about to make here, which is that here's the thing about esports games is that as we would love to see an esports game last for 20, 30 years, et cetera. And who knows, maybe that'll be the case. Uh, we're always waiting for the thing to buck the trend going forward. But one key advantage that Overwatch would have over League of Legends that you're alluding to here is that you have the case where League has been out for a long time. People eventually do sort of get perhaps a little bit fatigued on games. Now, we do have games like Counter-Strike that have been able to reinvent themselves over time, so we'll see. But there is the idea, or perhaps uh, you take a look at trend-wise, that League might have already seen some of its best days and perhaps now will be more in the downtrend, whereas Overwatch, it's brand new. We don't know just how far it can go, and particularly how far it could go if it's supported by a really good structure from the very beginning. So there's more of a X factor there when you compare it to League in terms of just how long your investment Overwatch might last versus how long your investment in League might last. And I think the buying in early point that Chris like passingly made earlier, the Chan Man made earlier about, uh, and that we talked about, like this is twenty million, right? You buy in early, you're a big part of it. Imagine if you were to like buy into the NBA forty years ago, right? Before it was a big thing. Hundred dollars. Now imagine if you were buying. <laughs> yeah, now imagine if you're buying into the NBA now. That price is probably like a thousand times more. So I think that like. Because Overwatch is new, they're playing. Blizzard is playing to the optimism product. Like we are going to try our best, and I do believe they're going to try their best, regardless of of previous shortcomings and other games and some fall throughs. I think they'll try their absolute best to build the best esports product they can, and to be bigger than League of Legends, to be bigger than Counter Strike. That's their goal. Um, so they're playing to the optimism of buy in early, be a part of this, and we're going to work our butts off to make sure it works. And you're going to help us with this as team owners. And instead of buying in later for, say, you know, let's just guess a number, $300 million, you're buying in now for $20 million. It's much cheaper. You're part of it from the beginning, and you can go ahead and start getting work done, and we'll, we'll help you out. So. Well, the other thing about that, too, is that you also have the entire idea is that how do the minds of people that are involved in early investment, VC, and otherwise work, right? Is that they're more interested in finding things that give a gigantic value where they'll invest in multiple different things. But generally speaking, they're looking for the huge payoff rather than the small payoff. Yeah, the the 100x type of things. Like you look at the Riot uh, setup right now, like let's say it's 10 million for a Riot spot. Maybe if you look at league trends that ends up being worth 30 or 40, you know, handful of years down the line like who knows where that's going to go but it, it generally speaking in terms of speculation you look at something like overwatch league you mentioned number 300 million you're right you could go 20 million to 300 million and when you look at it that way you are potentially getting a much bigger bang for your buck although as mentioned you're dealing with something that does have more risk it's a game that still has to fully prove itself but that's something where it's still going to be more attractive than the idea of something just being a smaller more measured return yeah. If you're going to get even that on the competitor side. Well, um, so let's get back a little bit to just the league itself. There's a few more details. Uh, the first thing was that the first season is going to take place, or at least the first regular season will take place all in LA. 
So um, it, it's that decision was made just because there's a lot of teams and organizations that that reside in LA. So it seemed to be the most convenient place to do it. There's also obviously studios there. You know, Blizzard's obviously there too. So um, not surprised they ended up doing that. Uh, and I think that's details that we all knew too. We all knew that it was going to be at least in NA the first season. So um, what is that going to mean for all these guys? I mean, are they all just going to live in LA? Is that the deal for, for all the teams? This is one of the things that like, I I know the Blizzard people. I, I'm sort of in the know. I've I've heard a lot. I follow really closely, and I still don't have a clear picture of what Overwatch League is supposed to look like many years down the road. My my interpretation is that early on, everyone's going to be in LA. Everyone's going to be in one location. But that I mean, the whole idea is you're doing team based cities and leveraging the existing uh, arenas all around the world, the coliseums all around the world. Uh, so, I, I mean, my, my guess is, like, the first year or two, it's probably going to be in L.A. in one location. And then, like, as it gets more solidified, it's going to be a global thing. But then are you going to have teams flying to different continents yeah. every week? Like, I, yeah, so I, I really, I, I don't even know. Do you guys know any better than, than I do? Well, as far as that would go, I mean, clearly you don't do geolocation without a some form of plan to have actual home and away games yeah. it's, it oh, would yeah. be really you silly to do yeah. geolocation <laughs> without that i think that much is objectively obvious from the outside in and then you take a look at how travel plans are done in other sports there's plenty of ways that you can set up schedules or otherwise to accommodate even if you do have to go to a different area otherwise like there, there's plenty of ways of making it work as far as ge geolocation goes but again you don't go we're doing this in all these cities and then never have plans to actually have local games in those cities. That would be something. Yeah. So there's two things I think about this, in my opinion. Um, so the first one is not every single one of these teams owns a venue. Um, or, or, or rather the investors. Particularly in Asia, neither one of those parties owns a venue. Um, and there are relationships between some of the NA parties. But the only one that has unlimited, or the only two that have unlimited venue access are the Misfits because of the heat and they own the American Airlines Center in Miami um, and Immortals, which are LA based. And if I had to guess off the tip of my tongue, I would assume that AEG, one of AEG's properties will be the home of the Overwatch League for the first year. Makes sense. Yeah. Like they, you know, AEG is already like, they have a team now. Immortals has a team. Why not just use the Novo Theater, which makes total sense. It's a small to medium-sized theater in, in Los Angeles. Like, mm -hmm. fits the description, fits the bill. Um, but I think the, the flip side of that uh, is you give them a season or two, as Fish Six mentioned, to find a venue that suits them in their cities, to find out the logistics of being in those cities, and then simultaneously you can start doing activation, product activations around those cities. You can start doing like Miami businesses advertising with a Miami team and things like that. You can start leveraging that. That's another big part of this that a lot of people haven't talked about is that there are a lot of things you can leverage because of your location. That's why spots like New York and Los Angeles are coveted because they're big cities. And you can activate. That's that's why athletes sometimes go to certain teams is yep. because they want to be in a bigger market. They want to be able to get more advertisements right, and, and get it, more endorsements. So I think that's a part of it. 
And just to add on to that as well, you also have the entire situation where you think about fandom, where I know general esports fandom likes going, but no, the great part about esports is it's global. I can root for anyone. The great part about sports in general is that you can still have that ability to root for anyone. There's plenty of people that are Yankees fans without <laughs> yeah. being in New York, unfortunately. I don't know why you would yeah. root for the Yankees, but hey, you know, whatever floats your boat. But you have the case where there's a lot of people that root for hometown laundry exclusively. I will point to my dad, someone who does not really follow esports all that much, but is intrigued by hearing that Robert Kraft has picked up a Boston area sports team because my extended family and my father, all from the Massachusetts area. While I couldn't really get him to watch Overwatch too much before, if I could point to him and go, look, the Boston area Overwatch team is doing really well, he might start tuning into those games by pure virtue that it is a Boston area team. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said for the power of geolocation to bring in fans that might not otherwise be fans. And you see this in every single sport where you have plenty of cases where people will be just sort of casual fans of a team because they're local, despite not having any appreciation or necessarily like deep passion for the game they're watching. They just find it cool that there's an event that represents their city and they have a team for it that's doing well. So that's the real power of geolocation here that I think is very, yeah. very good for esports as a general rule. And it's honestly long overdue. Yeah, I mean, accessibility has always been, I, I feel like, the coolest thing about this, it just geolocation play. And, I mean, it works. You know, the closest thing that we've ever had is, is really college. Like, just having all the college leagues that we had. I mean, I can tell you, my wife, like, she'll literally watch and root for anything that's a Florida Gator type of thing. I mean, she was watching Heroes of the Storm, all right? Like, or at one point and, and seeing, if you know, whatever colleges were there. I don't think the Gators are actually there. But, you know, we, she was actually looking for at least that that um that team there so there is definitely a lot of power in that and i i, I think that's going to be interesting i think the the local business that you were talking about jacob is a really really good point um one other thing that they mentioned is that the schedule is going to be thursday friday and saturday matches on three days and if you really think about the league as uh something like the nfl which only happens once a week right and it, it's like sunday it's all of sunday and we have like 32 teams playing each other and it's well, actually, there's usually bye weeks for some of them too. So 14, 15, something like that, right? 14 or 15 games each week. And that only feels one day on Sunday. So what are we going to do here? Are we only going to have like back-to-back -back matches? Like they're definitely not going to ever be any overlapping matches and just have each of these teams travel to the location and, and do it like that. Are they literally just going to play one match like each week? You know, like, I'm, I mean, I can I'm see that being... I, yeah. I can see that being feasible. I mean... One thing you forgot to mention about the NFL is is that their Monday night football and Thursday night football yeah. do exist. Um, I think that there's a chance that like you have one game Thursday, maybe two Friday, four or okay. four or five. Just Saturday. show them all, right? Just you show, know, like, yeah, okay, yeah. And and if you're in LA, then you can just do exactly what Riot does. Riot does two days a week, like or three days a week now. They do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you mm -hmm. just can buy tickets for all of them, or you can buy tickets in a bundle to go for an entire week. I think yeah. that will probably be feasible if you're if you're a venue that's hosting these events because I I suspect at least for the first uh, for the first season that they will all be the same venue. I have a feeling that mm -hmm. either Blizzard or through Immortals partnership with AEG, I have a feeling that they will find one venue in LA and they will stick to that for all of season one until but, everybody gets their own venues and then they can travel. Yeah, but buying okay, tickets. So I hate to wait, wait, Chain Man. Yeah, I hate yeah, to interrupt yeah. here, but you are killing us right now. I don't think it's going on stream, but like your microphone is really oh, is it? staticky. Oh, is it is yeah. so hard to hear what you're saying right now. 
Please, oh, please like re- re- restart Whoa. Discord or something real quick. Please save us. Hopefully, Chris can uh, just restart yeah. Discord or something. No, no, it should fast, be. But... It should be better now. Is it oh, better now? Are we good now? Yeah, Maybe. it should be better now, right? Nope. No. Oh, no. Rip everything. Oh no, you sound good now. You okay, sound... okay. Oh, there yeah, you go. It's just my, go. my, my, my It freaks out sometimes. So. Um, yeah, that's the case where it's just like you weren't looking at this guy. It's like, all right, I, I'm going to be the guy that mentioned this. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's totally, it needs totally to happen. Fine. Totally fine. Thank, thank you, ZP. I was sitting over here like closing <laughs> tabs because I thought my MacBook <laughs> no, was overloading, no. and then it was just Sorry Chris. It, was just Chris. <laughs> it happened. Yeah, so you know, pay, paying for a ticket to go, you know, like to something like Riot that's two days and it's a lot of matches. I can totally see that, but what are we paying for if we go in a ticket? Like, if I'm going to go to the the, the uh, American Airlines Arena and go watch Misfits play, I mean, am I literally just going to go for like an hour, you know, and drive all the way to Miami just to look at I'm something gonna, for an hour? I'm just going to go out on a limb and make a random pr- prediction. First couple of years, first year or two is probably going to be LA only. Yeah, of course. In yeah. future years, I wouldn't be surprised if what they do is they bring all the teams to a location for like two weeks or like a traveling three type weeks. Of thing? Okay. Okay. And then, and then they have all, like all of their matches happen in that one location. So the local fans will have one or two chances Ooh. every year to like, yeah, I don't know. That's just, a ra- was, I don't know if that's true. A, that's just, this was actually a thing that was, uh, do you remember the super weeks in LCS and back when LCS was uh, initially mm-hmm. operated by MLG in 2013, yeah, that's what they did. They toured Wait, like what? twice. I don't remember as... that. <laughs> mm, very, yeah, they used to uh, tour and also, like, all I mean, the yeah, teams. Yeah. involved. They do like the concept of touring to begin with. So yeah, I mean that could be a possibility. Yeah, I mean I I, I actually think that's a very viable idea after because uh, MLG helped co-run LCS in 2013 silently, um, and then additionally there were the Super Weeks up until 2016, where essentially two, twice a season, like week five and week nine you would go out and you go to a special location. You'd go to like PAX West or PAX East and you'd have all your games there for a weekend. And that, that wasn't your normal studio location. So I actually think that's fairly viable. It's a good idea. It's the Overwatch League tour <laughs> kind of thing. That would be pretty interesting. I, that sounds like something that would, would help too. I think that would be really, really great for the fans. And if you're I thinking, think, talking about ticketing I, and all that stuff, it makes more sense. I think it, it generally, like the whole point of geolocation now is to start getting things established. Like you, you, as an owner, you can be like, hey, I have the rights to this. You can go to local businesses and say you are the Will Ponds or uh, say you are the Will Ponds or say that you are energy and you don't have necessarily a venue connection like Immortals or like Misfits. You can start making that connection as the league progresses. And then once, once they reach a point where like everyone's confident they have a venue, and they have those agreements in place, then you can start doing your touring. So I, I think, yeah, LA, LA for the first couple of seasons is a fair assumption. Okay. Um, well, so we've what? been theory crafting for a little while. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to get to one one aspect of this, which we haven't really touched on yet. Uh, we have seven teams announced. We have five North America, two Asia. Obviously, there's more coming, but a few things stand out to me. A, no European cities. I actually was kind of yes. surprised by surprised by this. I it definitely seems like they're prioritizing NA, and they can't forget about Korea because Korea, the Korean Overwatch scene is so strong, and and China is such a huge market. So it's like to me, it feels like okay, let's do our thing in the West, and then like we have to tack on these other regions because they need to be 
part of this first announcement. But I was surprised that there's no London, no Berlin, no Paris. None of these uh, these cities were in this at all. And I'm also surprised that, you know, it's only one team for, for Korea. Um, so I guess, like, multiple-pronged open uh, subject, like, I guess, what cities do, do we think need to be in there? What do we expect to be in there? Will there be multiple teams for individual cities? Because Seoul should have five. Let's be let's be honest. Seoul should have five teams. Like it would be it would be kind of weird if they didn't. It'd be sad. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I so, just wanted to delve into well, that for a second. It's a global league. Let's just be clear. That is what we are seeing from everything they're going there. So I don't. I, I as far as it going forward, like I would assume at some point we will get European uh, teams in there probably before the start. That would be just my guess, given the fact that they're literally announcing teams on a global map. It would be weird if Europe was involved in some way. Well, that's a good. They point. have to be, and yeah, they they have and to. Be. I mean, and, come on. <laughs> and frankly, it's not for a lack of trying. Um, Nate and the Overwatch team has done a lot to try to include even some places I didn't think they would. I know that he had some meetings with people in the Middle East um, that were interested in discussing cool. uh, the Overwatch. League. I love it. Yeah, so I mean. They're like it's cool. not because they're not trying. And to their credit, they have taken they have made a lot of calls and made a lot of meetings and have traveled a lot of places. I'm sure that his corporate credit card, which is loaded with travel expenses. Um, but uh I do think there will be more cities. In fact, I'm fairly certain there will be more cities because as of today, even with the seven announced, I heard that they were making phone calls to try to get more people and to encourage people to buy in. So I'm confident there will be more cities before launch. And second of all, he also told Nate Nancer told Fortune magazine flat out we expect more cities before before the closure of, of the first season of the league. Um, so yeah, I, I think that uh, Europe that there's a lot of speculation on you know, why no one in Europe is bought, bought in. I think at least one will buy in. Uh, the yeah. problem is is a lot of the European endemic teams that would be bullish about doing this, like your fanatics. They don't necessarily have capital to just shell something like twenty million dollars easily, and all of the all the expenses that come with operating an Overwatch team of that caliber. Um, I mean, they don't even have. They don't it. even have teams. They don't even have players. Like there's there's so few actual. Yeah, I mean, even teams right now. The thing is, even if you had the the European players and the team, like it's more than just twenty million. You have to operate a team house. You have to do all that other stuff that's just like normal, or you know, just like any other esport or in, any other team esport. So the thing is, is I like I have a feeling that yes, there will probably be more. So yeah. and I and I, mean, I think that I think that we'll see at least one European team before this closes. I'd be surprised if not. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I wonder how much of it has to do with operations too. You know, just generally for the first few seasons and. It, even though Overwatch is supposed to be a global, and I know they're going to get, they're already getting some flack, but it's good that we're talking about that they have been making a lot of effort to try to include teams and cities from all over the the world, including EU and, and Middle East and things. But you know, it, you know, sometimes it, it is better just to start. You know, let's get this league going. Let's get the operation of the league going, and you know, work out all the kinks. You know, there's going to be a ton of kinks in the first year, or first two years. And then once you go there, once you actually have a product that you can show, then, you know, expanding, going, you know, full global becomes more of a, um, I mean, it just becomes an easier thing versus just trying to start like all over the world right off the bat. So I, I, I know they're not doing it, but, you know, I wouldn't actually fault them if they were actually trying to focus just 
here, you know, in, in North America. And then, you know, of course you have to have some teams in South, just South Korea, just because it would just be wrong. And in China, you can make a decision on that just because of the market, but I wouldn't fault them for just focusing on North America and expanding from there. And you know, a lot of teams are already waiting anyways. So it, it is really important that they show a good product in the first season, in two, you know, first two seasons, I would say. The the biggest, the best descriptor, which I've heard from like six or seven people, is waiting around the hoop, like a basketball analogy. Like we're interested, but for rebounds, we're rebound waiting. dunks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, like we're we're interested in the Overwatch League, but we're not committed yet. But we're interested in the Overwatch League, and we're not going to say no flat out, right? Like there's a maybe there is a world where if something works out and you know, we do buy it. So that that's right. kind of been like that's been the analogy that I've heard a lot, like right. verbatim those words. So I think I think that there will be more before the before the launch. I think it would be silly if they weren't. Um especially yeah. if the seven's not an odd number if you think about or seven is an odd number, not an even number. I feel like season one needs to be ten to twelve teams at bare minimum. I think eight teams I, I would agree. be boring. I think that would just mm-hmm. I don't know, personally. And I think I think that ten to twelve is feasible because if one if one report about six teams can get another seventh team to buy in over a weekend, mm-hmm. what do you think a press release about seven teams can do to other people? There are probably a lot of people that had phone calls today that were like, "Yeah, we're we want to do this." And like, there's probably like five know, people committed. calling Nate's phone right now, right? Like, as we, as yeah, we there's probably there's probably a lot. I mean, there's I'm probably pretty a lot sure more there's people. more than five people calling Nate's phone at a. <laughs> Any given hour, like Nate is one of the hardest working people know, in sports. Exactly. It is actually insane. I, I actually I think one of the funniest things for me is that anytime I, I get a chance to visit Blizzard, it's always like wondering is, is Nate going to be here? And most of the time, it's like he's no, off he's on not. A, no, he's always, few, he's always in Shanghai. It's always like, a treat. So I would expect that his phone is actually generally more busy than that on all hours of the day, but probably even more busy still, uh, particularly today. Yeah. This is the time that this is going to be one of the hottest times, right? Whenever you have a big announcement like this, and uh, I'd be disappointed if they didn't sell a few more in in the next week or two weeks, or at least get like really big leads or or great in just have a lot of traction, you know, with trying to land some more I cities. Think, I think if if Blizzard gets twelve to fourteen, they'll be happy. Oh yeah, I think that that's like, I think that's from my understanding is kind of their goal is like. 12 to 14 ish. If they get 12, they're super happy. If they get more than 12, they're very, very happy. Like beyond happy. But if they get 12, they're good. So there is such thing as too many teams, guys. Like in this first season, I I actually well, think that you can't have too many. Um, you do a you have that in other traditional sports. Like a good example there would be you take a look at the NHL, where a lot of people think that the NHL overexpanded in mm-hmm. terms of how they went for that. It's like suddenly we have a t- NHL team in Phoenix. It's like. Who plays hockey in Phoenix? Well, no one. No one plays hockey in Phoenix. So. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Uh, man, people I, play hockey in Florida. Like, so people play hockey in Arizona too, believe it or not. This, I'm just this gonna, is no, a there, really... There's a special part there. There's a time where you had a team in Phoenix while also not having a team in Minnesota, which is really just. There's, there's, a, there's an interesting theory craft here that I, I look forward to the first time it happens. Somebody relocates in Overwatch League because their market's garbage. That, like, that's. <laughs> That oh, will be a fun you, time when you like, think a team so? relocates because oh, wow. it just doesn't work. I, I think I think it will happen at least once. Like not, I'm not saying immediately, but in Starting the next over? like wow. five That'd years, be, yeah, five years, I could see it happening. 
Uh, well, no, we've made it when a, a team is able to strong arm their local government into building an esports stadium. For them. <laughs> That's how we'll know we've we've hit. So the, this is this is honestly why I'm so surprised. Like I've I've heard multiple game developers just kind of side note. No one's going to Atlanta aside from E League and, and yeah, that is surprising. That is surprising because Atlanta, as someone who grew up there, Atlanta in the last eighteen months has funded three sports stadiums, like to be built. They funded SunTrust Park, the baseball stadium for the Braves. They funded uh, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is the new soccer stadium and the football stadium. Mm-hmm. And then they're just currently funded a renovation of Phillips Arena, which is the basketball stadium. So why the heck isn't there an Atlanta team in this? Because I'm sure the the city of Atlanta, with all the money they like to spend on sports, would probably be willing to at least front something. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm surprised there's not one even in Texas either. I mean, there's there's been... Huge esports advocates, especially in Houston, you know that the Rockets have an esports, you know they have an esports group or just a, a department there now too, right? Or that they created and yeah, they have, more, they have probably one of the smartest people uh, in esports, frankly. Um, Sebastian's Seb, genius. Seb, yeah, Seb's over there. Yeah, yeah, and then you also have Seattle. Seattle doesn't have the Supersonics anymore, so you got you got to throw something. In yeah, there. totally. But, I, I definitely know, think, so I'm not uh, trying to give you a low blow there. But. In, the, in the case of Texas, there. In the case of Texas, there's only like two investors that you would even take seriously in this regard, and it would be Mark Cuban and the, the Houston Rockets. I've not heard a lot of positivity around either team for the Overwatch League. So, um, yeah, I, like again, like it, it, it is waiting around the hoop. <laughs> yeah, everybody's waiting around the. Yeah, hoop. yeah, yeah. And, and are we not going to have anyone in? Are we not going to have anyone in the middle of the country? By the way, like literally, we have two East Coast teams, two West Coast teams, and nobody in the middle of the country. Well, so I mean, what, what else is there? Uh, oh. We got to start well, with the big far, cities. Minnesota the big is one. Yeah. I'm just noting, and this is actually surprisingly a very loyal sports market uh, when you get into it. Uh, also, of course, Chicago is probably the bigger uh, notable yeah. one. Where like you, Chicago is a big city, unaccounted for. And take a look at things. I know this I was going to mention offhand that uh, it'll come back to me. Okay. Well, again, yeah. again, keep in mind that, that Blizzard did talk to a lot of sports executives and still are talking to a lot of sports executives in North America. So it's there's potential for it to happen. But, I wonder, um, I wonder if there's see. anything Blizzard can do. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe as like a small event. You, know, you would think contenders maybe, but, you know, like throw some type of event to that could be a way to convince some people, you know, like a selling tool that, that has more to do with product than it does just a bunch of numbers and, you know, slides and presentations. You know, I'm, I'm wondering, what do you think the overwatch, what do you think the overwatch world cup is? Yeah. That's what yeah. they used it okay. for last year. They're going to use it. They're going to use it again this year for the exact same purpose. Yeah. I think, at, at like, I think, I think again, I think again, it's like, so there will be a lot of people at the Overwatch World Cup that were not present last year, uh, investment-wise. And I think that it, it is the spectacle. Like, hey, look at our product. It's cool. There's a lot of people in this arena watching. And we're doing this. Like, we're I doing Elon Musk is there again. I, I still need to meet that Are they going to put it in the stadium then? Or are they going to like create their own little mini stadium? I mean, I would be shocked again. if they didn't put it in the stadium. As wonderful as it has been Mike. having StarCraft in, yeah. the, in, the big, in the big room. They're they're gonna put Overwatch there this time, I think. Yeah, if the, I mean uh, Overwatch, might, Overwatch I, is the one thing I'd say oh, about Overwatch that is, is that, literally but, like Overwatch is literally they're they're throwing all their eggs in one basket. Like yeah. Nate Nate's old job, like and it was in a bunch of articles today. Nate's old job was global director of esports at Blizzard. 
Nate's new job is Overwatch League Commissioner. They literally repurposed their esports director to be their Overwatch League Commissioner. They, like, this is serious yeah. now. This, they're throwing all their esports eggs in one basket, and it's pretty yeah. apparent. Yeah, they'll be pretty telling if they finally move that StarCraft out of it. I know Mike and Amy are probably like, they're good. They're gonna hearts are gonna break the day that happens. But, My heart's um, gonna break, Chris. Oh, I, man. I did. But. You know what? Like, I, I would. Mine would would definitely break too. But I went last year, you know, and to watch to watch the last few matches, and I don't know. It wasn't the same. The year before, it was just like amazing and awesome and getting the the feels again. But last season, I just didn't feel it like the crowd wasn't the same like it was the previous year so yeah. it might be the right time i still loved it but yeah well we had my, might have brood war in there this year so you know that could be totally True. different uh well, but all right guys one honestly, more thing that we uh, haven't yeah. yeah go ahead okay last point well, go ahead, Jacob, and, yeah. and then I'll, I'll jump into it oh i was i was just gonna say kind of like in the lot note i think the overwatch league and the overwatch world cup benefit each other because the overwatch league makes hype for people to go to the overwatch world cup and the overwatch world cup makes makes hype for people that aren't invested in overwatch to be invested in overwatch yeah so. i know we've been talking about the world cup announcement for an hour now i just have one final question i want to pose uh, and it, I, it's pretty obvious but we haven't talked about it yet who are the teams that are not on this list that yeah. we expect it to be and who we think either they're going to get picked up or they're going to get bought or something i'll oh. start off envy obviously okay you're talking about I players thought, and teams okay yeah teams yeah 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 uh, I thought the Charlotte Envies were going to be a thing because uh, Envious has already partnered with the city of Charlotte where they're located uh, in pretty significant ways. So I thought we were going to see that at least. Envy, Rogue, the you know, there's some really notable teams well, that don't have DC. teams yet. I, I, I will note one thing here, and I mean, this is something that I think is probably interesting to throw out to Jacob just as far as it goes is that I do think that at some point there is somewhat of a branding issue for some of these teams in terms of the idea that not every one of these teams has a good name for general sports branding. Like C9 is an awkward name. If you're going to brand it, like saying city C9 sounds a little bit weird, even for envy, like envious is a great esports brand, but in terms of that, like Charlotte envy, like it just it immediately stood out to me there that that just sounded awkward. Like it sure does. But like they're getting branded with the city, no <laughs> doubt, but it's sort of like, I, I do wonder about some of the viability of these esports names going forward. Like, there's a reason why traditional sports names are is sound the way they do. That's all I'm saying. So, so here's an interesting note of that. If you look at how they structured the press release today, they did not define what teams own those slots in the way they worded it. They they said that individuals own those slots. Wasn't that the Kraft Sports Group, even though they are operating yeah, a yeah, team, they said Robert Kraft. And they didn't say Immortals. They said Noah Winston, the CEO of Immortals. And they said, they said Ben Spoon, CEO of Misfits. So they, I think they are very much leaving open the possibility that they might rebrand some of these teams uh, to, to have city names. I think that's why they weren't so upfront with like Immortals owns a team or Energy owns a team or Misfits owns a team. Because they, I think they're leaving open. I think they'll come out with like league standardized brand guidelines within the next like oh, couple man. of months. That should that, be interesting. And even, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, just some of these names are just not. Like, even a case like probably the least offensive is Immortals, and even then, Immortals is, is like, I can, 
I could t- I could see it being say an NFL team name, but I do wonder if there's like better team names you could go with. Well, of course there are better yeah, team and- names, but I mean you, you have established team names, so if you can reuse the recognizable name, then you should, right? So, Immortals, I'd be surprised yeah. if they changed that one. So, and and to be fair, the Craft Sports Group started a Twitter called Boston Overwatch. Or Overwatch Boston is oh, what they their did. Twitter is right now. Oh, really? Yeah, they did. There's a there's an Overwatch Boston account started by the Craft Sports Group uh, out on Twitter. Time to follow that one. Um, okay. And the soul the soul team okay. the soul team actually does have a name and account too. It's called KSV Esports. Is oh wow the Soul's team? Okay. K- or is the soul it? So I don't know what that stands for, but that's their name. Um, they they set up a website in Korea in Korean today uh, that launched, and um, so some of these teams like they're they're at least trying to make social push. Like the crafts is the one that I noticed most visibly. Um, but yeah, and kind of to go back to what Fish yeah, Six just was saying, which ones are uh, missing? A lot of uh, no Will Ponds, uh, no no Sterling VC uh, on social at the moment um, for Overwatch. I didn't see an Overwatch in New York or anything like that, um, and nothing in Shanghai. Nesties has not done anything, or Nesties has not done anything. Um, so go back to Fishstick's question or question. I think the reason a lot of those teams that you were mentioning, uh, MBS, Rogue, etc., as our chat has been wondering pretty much the entire time I've been watching chat, is that a lot of these teams just don't have the capital to do it. And some of the ones that do, they have other priorities, uh, such as LCS. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's it's literally as simple as that. Like, yeah, Rogue has money. They have Steve Aoki. But they don't have someone who's just going to bankroll them twenty million dollars, so it gets nothing. And yeah. um, even though it is a pay over time agreement, like you're risk, you're risking. You never sign, as we all know, who's ever financed anything. You never sign something you can't pay. So don't like don't sign it unless you got the twenty million dollars back up. And I think that's why a lot of these teams are excluded. Yeah, I was surprised that Liquid might not might not have been on this this team too because was, they've been they've been getting really a yeah their investment group is quite big at this point. I, I still don't know if they they were intending to have that kind of bankroll for a league like that for like Overwatch League, but still, I, I mean, all these moves that they've been feeling, making recently, I thought was for Overwatch League. I have a feeling I have a feeling that a lot of those moves are specifically for League of Legends to, oh, is it? to front of ten million. There, because there's not, uh, up until all of these investments have happened, there were literally, in LCS history, there were two teams that I can think of, three, if you want to count one that's been relegated, that could actually just flat bankroll it because they were started by investors. And that is um, Energy, Echo Fox, and Immortals, who have all been in league at some point. They're the only ones that ever had the capital to do it. Whereas a lot of these people have been going out and obtaining investments to be able to pay the $10 million franchising fee that was looming for LCS because if you if you're a brand that's built yourself off of League of Legends, there's no reason not to stay in it. Right. And so, I think I think Liquid is an odd case because they do have the money to do it. They have more than enough money to do the Overwatch League. I just don't know if they will. Like I'm very, I'm not very convinced either way. Like that they won't or that they will because they're still around. Like and definitely there's there's been more than one discussion. I would I would believe. Yeah. Um, so. All right. Yeah. Well, I think over an hour is probably long enough for this thing. Why don't we wrap up and uh, kind of move on into some of the events of World Cup? We can we can kind of cruise through this a little bit faster than we would normally do it. But uh, the Beat Invitational happened this past weekend, and uh, I'm, you know, you, obviously, you guys were were uh, uh, covering it and, and everything. Uh, any big 
storylines you guys want to talk about with the Invitational? Rogue ended up winning it, obviously, uh, over Immortals, but anything you guys, uh, anything stand out to you guys? I mean, oh, as far as the ZP, he yeah, it. ZP, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, as far as the tournament goes, uh, it was a great tournament. It was incredibly exciting, and it did sort of answer a storyline where you had Immortals who came out in Contender Season Zero, basically untouched uh, towards the very end, uh, very dominant, up against Rogue, a team where they were in the dominant spot for a really long time, and obviously from their win, they're still very much up there, but it does show that there are pe teams that can challenge Rogue now, if nothing else. Like, Rogue did get bloodied at times throughout the tournament. And it, it's sort of this entire idea that it adds to the narrative in Overwatch that teams are getting closer over time. And that's very important, too, when you think about things like league implications or anything else. Like, one of the worst-case scenarios for something in Overwatch League would be to have just a really stark divide between the teams in terms of who's winning and who's not. It's good if you have, say, one juggernaut, but you want the game in general between the different teams to be close, and we're just continually seeing that we're getting better games, closer series across the entire board, and overall, it was just a very exciting weekend Overwatch. Yeah, I was able to I mean, catch a few of them. Oh, go ahead. Oh, um, I, sorry, I was just going to just talk about the results a little bit. I, had, I, I was able to watch most of the event uh, I think number one thing for me is Rogue can bleed against NA teams. It's not like they've been completely untouchable, but in most of the recent outings at in NA tournaments, they've been pretty dominant. Uh, they actually went three and two versus Arc Six early mm -hmm. in the tournament, which Six is a huge well. surprise to me. Mm -hmm. uh, Arc Six did play well, um, so Rogue can definitely bleed. And the other thing is, uh, Immortals made great. Obviously, we do this already from contenders. Obviously, they won contenders, but the the player swaps that Immortals made were very, very smart. Like they they picked up some incredible talent. I think Kareev is the best Zenyatta I've I've seen. I like, almost in the entire scene right now. Like he he mm. blew my mind with some of his play this I, weekend. I make the care point for as good as Kareev was is that there's different. Uh, Zenyatta styles you get. For example, if you take a look at a Zenyatta like Boombox in the U side is one I would bring up there as well, is that between the two, maybe you could make an argument that Kareev had better in-game team fights, but you also had Boombox who was just outright getting more kills than most Zens you've ever seen there. So <laughs> if you're going to say like best Zen yeah. in the West, I, I feel like Boombox v. Kareev, you have a very big debate there. But I mean, obviously Kareev played really well. We never saw Ethan play anywhere close to that level, so that was probably the biggest win there. And likewise, I mean, Fate had consistently good engages, and overall, the the bigger story for me for Immortals actually would just be sort of the resurgence of Grim Reality, where I do think Grim sort of has been on an up-and-down roller coaster, where, of course, he was with Immortals before they got picked up on Team Sony Pop, made a name for himself on McCree, one of the very best McCrees in the game, then suddenly you shift to a meta where people aren't playing McCree anymore, and he has to go back and look, gee, what do I play? Well, you get Grimlot on Soldier, and you get him a lot on Tracer, and neither are up to the same standards of his McCree, and it actually hurts Immortals for a while. But he had a very good and consistent Tracer over the course of the weekend, and it very much helped Immortals in being as good as they were in contesting Rogue. Yeah. And yeah, people are asking, should I watch the finals? Yes, watch these yes, goddamn the finals. the finals is great. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to spoil it. 
I, I don't want to spoil it for people that don't want it spoiled, so you should mute me for like five seconds. I already said he won. No, it was a reverse sweep, though. Yeah, it was yeah, almost okay, a, okay, Sorry, okay. it was almost a reverse sweep. <laughs> yeah. Rogue was up 3-0, and oh, and then Immortals just stored back for three maps in a row, which was a super exciting yeah. finals to watch. J- Jacob, yeah. did you catch so much? Of, a... Actually, Jacob, do you, do you watch, or did you get a, get a chance to catch Beat Invitational? Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with the, the consensus. I actually really like the final set between Rogue and Immortals. Um, solid play. I did have a question, uh, mm-hmm. because you guys would probably know this better than I would. Um, why is the, the team that's based off Fnatic Energy and Gale Force, why don't they have a team? Why don't they have something after? They have two great results <laughs> they now. Really should. They really, really should. Really should. Stupid. I'm yeah. sure they're getting approached by teams. It's just a matter yeah. of what do you sign with and how do you go for the terms? I mean, if I, I was advising them directly, I mean, I do talk for the time. time. It's just sort of like, be careful what you sign here with Overwatch League Looming in the Shadows. Like, well, the, yeah. it's the type of thing where I think if you are a team getting signed now, with Overwatch League looming, you need to be really sure to make sure that if there's like some buyout that you get a chunk of it would sort of be my advice to teams going forward is that you don't want a situation where you sign to get some immediate salary because not everyone is in a situation where they necessarily have as much money as they'd like for day-to-day living expenses. I get that. But you want to sign for like 5K a month or something and then have your contract be sold to Robert Kraft for... $250,000 a player. That would be something that would probably make anyone really that's salty. Fair. So that, that's yeah, something where fair. you probably want to watch out if you are a player in that situation. So I'm sure they've got some like significant interest, but I don't think you want to rush through contract negotiations yeah. there either. I'm just surprised they haven't changed their name though. <laughs> it's, it's, FNRGFE is a truly terrible name. <laughs> I mean, we all know it now, but still, it's not something that will ever roll off the tongue. <laughs> not, I mean, yeah, actually, it's good really thing, rolled off the tongue for me because it, it's a meme. Thing. Like I can actually say to my sleep now. Yeah. Sadly. Oh, custom played well too for Arc Six. Oh yeah. Ar- I saw I said I think Arc Six played great. And it um, just it just makes me wonder like what happened to Fnatic, man. They like had so many great players. Oh, we we you. saw you know Cool Matt and, and Buds played amazing, Custom played amazing. What happened to this team? I, I, I mean, it's very obvious. They cannot, as far as it goes, they were not able to find a quality support Lucio in the aftermath of deciding that Vonathil wasn't the answer. They went through a lot of it. They were going to get Joe, and I'm not sure if this is public, but now it's so far in the past that this matter, but they were going to get Joe Meister, and they were having very good results with Joe Meister, but Joe Meister was taken by FaZe right before Contenders. So they weren't able to play with Joe Meister. That was A. And then B is that they really had trouble finding a tank that they wanted to throw themselves behind after Stoop decided to step back. And they went through multiple different tanks, but we are in a meta right now where you need to have a very good Winston player to do well. And though they had some promising players that perhaps uh, didn't have everything they needed right away, they weren't able to find that tank that they needed there. They were actually trying out Muma on the very final day, which actually could have worked out really well given how he's played with FN or GFE. The problem is, is that the day they were trying out Muma was also the day that Joe Meister left the team inside the <laughs> yeah. fully side with phase. So if they hit a moment where they could have tried out Muma with Joe Meister on the team, that core probably would have stuck together. But because they weren't able to fill both main tank and support at the same time, that's why that team uh, ended up splitting up. And that's why you had FNRGFE become a thing. Okay. Right. Well, yeah. So, anyways, with, with Arc Six, the one thing that that did come out, or at least there was a, a thread yesterday, was with a 
um, XQC talking about um, how he doesn't plan or he doesn't think there's any reason to even scrim, you know, now that there's no events, you know, between just, I don't know, here, unless you're playing in World Cup, right? There's like literally no events coming up. So I don't know that Arc 16 is going to stay together or what they're going to be doing exactly, but um, uh, it's kind of sad because they've played really, really well. I'd, I'd kind of like to see them play more I mean, now because they've had two straight tournaments. They've actually done decently, so... And that brings the question, dude. Wait, what was the first straight teams? Let me just follow up there. What was the first straight tournament that they did well? Like, they did well in the beat tournament, but yeah, the, they they clearly didn't do well in contenders. They didn't well, qualify for season one. Well, yeah, like, I mean, they they did they did pretty well in the groups, but they just they didn't play that well in the playoffs. But still, but that yeah. you can't say like oh they did pretty well in the tournament. They, they well, did not okay, do pretty well sure, in the tournament. Sure. They, they didn't do well in the playoffs. Right? Cause of their problems as to why they don't have nothing to play is that they didn't do well in contenders. Sure. Okay. Them, so. <laughs> I mean, we, no, but I don't think a lot of people had that high expectations for them even to make the playoffs. So that's kind of why I was giving them that <laughs> that token there. But uh, but anyways, uh, Jacob, you were trying to make a point there. Or oh, I was going to say on on the point of is there if there are no big events at this point, and you and you know just kind of following up on what you said, CP, if, if there are no big events, and you are a team that doesn't have a contract with a large organization like Liquid or a C9 or a Rogue. Do you just not do anything? Like, do you just split your team and just say screw it and and hope you get picked up by another watch league team in three months? I think you have to figure out ways of promoting yourself as a player more so than anything else. Because I, I would say right now is that it seems unlikely that for all these Overwatch League teams that you're actually going to see them entirely pick up whole teams as they are now. There's a limited amount of Overwatch League spots and a lot of teams beyond the different regions. And when you look at some of the different teams that are out there, you very much can pick and choose the very best players. Like they give you an example of like, you know, a swap up you can do there. Like say you really liked some of the players on LG evil. Would you grab right. the entire LG evil team or would you go, we're actually, we're going to grab Jake super and train. And then actually, you know, we're going to pick up, uh, instead of going for Vol for, say, the put him on like Flex World Diva stuff, instead maybe we'll pick up, say, a Cool Mat instead. I think that a lot of the Overwatch League teams coming up here are going to be focused on picking up individually good players rather than just we're grabbing an entire team. I think a lot of the team cores you're seeing right now will get broken up and remixed in various different ways. Okay. okay. Um, all right. So why don't we uh, why don't we move on for now and uh, talk about the Overwatch World Cup, given that it's it's starting here like the, very very soon. And first first off, the the talent was announced. So ZP, congrats on uh, making it on this talent list. Oh my god, this this picture is like distorted that I have here. <laughs> but it, it just I, goes I, I to your browser size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I have my browser set a certain way. But ZP, you're doing Australia and the US. Perfect. A Burbank. Yep. Oh, is it Burbank? Is it okay? Yeah, Burbank and yeah. Australia. It was announced as Burbank. Yes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, uh, congrats on that, man. Really a great list here. So, lots of people involved, and our our buddy Flame actually made it on the list, which was like, all right, this is a uh, progress. You know, at least the Blizzard actually hiring him for the for Overwatch Cup was really really cool. Or hey, the World he. Cup. He has Monte Cristo support, so if you have yeah. Monte Cristo support, and he works in the Overwatch office. There you go. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a really solid talent group here. I mean, I feel yeah, like you're representing a lot of different regions. Like you have Apex now represented by, uh, in this case, Wolf and Achilles, who are doing Shanghai. You have, of course, North America represented where uh, me and Hex are doing Burbank stuff because we're doing a lot there. Mm-hmm. I mean, in general, you're representing a wide variety of the different broadcasters that were within the Overwatch scene. And you're getting people in that, you know, have been out for a while that haven't got a chance to get Zoe in, who of course is a great host, gets to show her stuff at all four events. I don't know. In general, like there's, for me, I look at this as like, yep, this makes sense. I love everyone here that's working on it. And I mean, honestly, it should be a really good summer of Overwatch. I I actually just think it's beautifully pieced (laughs) together. Uh, And I, I think, I think that uh, like, the set of hosts are really good in terms of direction too. Like I think Malik Forte is is one of the better hosts that I've seen recently, based off of what he's done with E League on television, what he did with the Street Fighter Five portion of E League, um, and then Golden Boy, obviously, uh, as many of you know. So um, I, I tweeted when this came out. I think it's one of the best best talent lineups I've seen for an esports event in a while. All right, Ben. It's a great list. All right, Ben. Here we go. Honestly. <laughs> I'm pissed. I'm pissed though. J Cap deserved to be on this list. Jason Kaplan's shocked. Not only is I'm he a, an incredibly talented caster who plays the game at a very, very high GM, sometimes dipping into top 500 range, but he has been around since day one and invested so much time and effort into helping the community, growing the community, hosting his own tournaments. He deserved to be on this list. And I don't know why Blizzard didn't put him on the list. I, I feel quite strongly about yeah, this. It wasn't his doing. It's so a great it, list, but yeah. Jason should have been on there. I, yeah. Anyway, so I wasn't even planning my, on my, bringing this up, but here we go. My my question is: one, he works for ESL, so I would assume that would have to get cleared. But didn't he? So does Uber? Uber, as well? Uber works for yeah, ESL. So. Yeah, but yeah. but didn't but didn't Jacob? Uh, didn't Jason Kaplan host or not host, but cast uh, contenders? Yeah, Jason was at yeah. contenders. Yeah, yeah. Some people so are saying it's really because like, Jason's on the committee for U.S., but no, so is Uber's other also on the committee. Yeah, there's other people in the committee. for Australia. No, so. committee, committee stuff isn't a disqualifying uh, nature. Uh, yeah, Reinforce is playing. For <laughs> I know. <laughs> Reinforce is playing, so that that has nothing to do with it. So, I don't know what happened. Maybe got somebody mad at Blizzard. I don't know, but it it's actually yeah, it's a glaring. Glaring. Uh, he's also the fact that he's like, I think Sideshow deserves to be on there just because all he does with like the articles and the YouTube videos, and I think his casting is good too. I think Sideshow would have been good, but you can't have like fifty people. Yeah, I mean, there's only talent, so many so. spots. But. but I think Jason, like yeah. with his history, I don't know. Anyway, honestly, yeah. <laughs> I'm sad about it, but we have five minutes left, Chris. And exactly, I want to bring something else up because it just dropped two hours ago, and I didn't even okay. notice. What is it? What is it? Bad. I didn't see it. A uh, big PTR changes. A oh. balance patch. Oh, is there? Shoot, I you didn't just, see that. You want to yeah, try yeah, to roll through yeah, them in the yeah, last yeah. five minutes here? <laughs> Let me see. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm going to skip ahead and note the one thing. I'm glad you brought that up because it's it, it's big enough that it's actually just its own uh, title here. Is that So Graviton Surge right now is still the most impactful ultimate in the game. Like, if you take a look at the stats, it is the one ultimate that if you have it, you are most likely winning team fights. It just got buffed. It got buffed to where now it's like a gigantic Junkrat trap where you can't use any mobility abilities to get out of a Graviton. So Tracer cannot recall, cannot rewind out of a Graviton. Like, Graviton is now just even more god mode. Okay, so... Wow. We only have a few minutes. Uh, Doomfist Rocket Punch told this and traveled by 
has been reduced by 20%. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I find this one strange because I thought they would have nerfed first the cooldown because Rocket Punch only has a four second cooldown. That seemed like the obvious way way to start nerfing that to me. But anyway, they've they've adjusted it a bit. Yeah, yeah. Seismic Slam added a new UI indicator to show how much damage was it was dealt. Blah blah blah. Previously, okay. So this is pretty minor. It's just kind of UI stuff. McCree, McCree got a change. Flashbang now slows targets significantly when they are stunned. This makes them less likely to slide away around a corner. This is an incredibly minor change, right? CP. So like when you when you get stunned, if you're if you're jumping or something and you have momentum, you like slide a little bit. So they're yeah. just like decreasing I the would amount call of slide. It entirely minor. There's a lot of situations in kills where you get a flashbang, but the person moves in a weird way that even at the pro level, people will sometimes be unable to easily fall through. So it's just a way of going, well, we don't like the part where McCree does flashbang and sometimes the person is so out of sorts that you can't immediately follow up. Now we're going to let you follow it up a little bit more reliably. That's true. I'm sorry. I need to just correct myself. I didn't read the last sentence on Seismic <laughs> Slam. It's actually really, really big. You cannot target, you cannot jump somewhere higher than you're, where you're at currently. So you, so basically beforehand, Doomfist could uppercut and then like get to any any high ground by just Seismic Slamming. It looks like that's no longer possible. Oh, so. okay. So well, you can't change the really ability. You can't change levels. You, you can't change like, levels. Yeah. Seismic Slam used to be sort of this like tether to the edge type of ability when it first came out where like there's videos of people falling into a pit on king's row and then going from king's row to the like out of the pit just by using seismic slam so you're not gonna be able to use it as this get me back to a ledge type ability it won't quite have that functionality yeah. okay anymore. yeah uh, and going going through some more of them is reaper shadow step vo and sound effects distance dramatically reduced okay that's not a big deal um Reinhardt- well, it, that, that just means you can be sneakier with Reapers. And, and it is a, is a bigger deal than you're giving credit for. It means that mm, if okay. you're not looking at Reaper, you're more likely to get ambushed by him. So if he teleports behind you, but you're not looking directly at him, oh, instead of hearing the you know the, <laughs> the sound and then the like death comes from him, you're not going to hear that most of the time. So the idea that Reaper will get more ambush kills is actually more likely because of this. Just what I need, man. <laughs> Reaper sneaking up on me like they haven't been doing that already a lot lately. Um, all right, Reinhardt got some changes. Swing speed increased by 10%. That's pretty cool. Uh, but then again, yeah. his charge got nerfed, so maybe not as cool. On top of the swing speed increase, we've gone through the tweaked many timings and things on the hammer. Okay, overall the swings and make uh, swing and make contact with enemies. Okay, that's good. I mean, I think Reinhardt's been having some some problems recently, obviously with uh, just a lot of little things, you know, that's been hurting Reinhardt. So this this obviously seems to be. Um, not really correcting it, but definitely helping quite a bit. But then the charge, I guess there's no damage done whenever, you, uh, whenever you're, you're charging somebody and then you kind of knock people out of the way. I guess there's no more damage done by that. Is that, is that a buff or a nerf? I feel like that's, that's a you don't you know you don't lose no, health now. Uh, that, that's actually a, probably a buff to Reinhardt because <laughs> yeah. charging yeah. the Reinhardt did, like. did negligible damage, but if you had a trade with a Doomfist... You were taking a lot more damage as a Reinhardt than the Doomfist was taking. Oh, you, this yeah. is like the canceling. Oh, this is Doom the canceling. Yeah, it's oh, like I got, you. I got you. Yeah, and like other charging Reinhardts. Yeah, right. 
Oh, it's, I it's see a buff it for is. sure okay. because Reinhardt doesn't do very very much damage at all in the initial charge hit. It's the pin against the wall that gotcha. does the bulk of the damage. So right. now it means if you trade out with a Doom Fist, you're not going to be eating like eight billion damage from the Doom Fist while <laughs> doing a little in turn. So that's right. actually good for Reinhardt. Okay, gotcha. And then yeah, that's already a graviton surge is what you were talking about, which is disables movement. So. All right, pretty interesting. I don't, I don't think I don't think this is enough for Reinhardt. I thought they were gonna buff his HP or something. I'd actually really like to see Reinhardt get a, like fifty or hundred oh, more HP. Really? See what you happens. don't need so to buff Reinhardt. You need to nerf Winston to the two. Yeah, like again, I'm gonna note that Reinhardt has had no changes to him. Really? Okay, but I don't see how you could disagree when Reinhardt was must pick for ages, and the only thing that changed that was Winston getting buffed multiple I, times in I a row. I agree with that. So, like, mm -hmm. how are you able to disagree with that, where Reinhardt went from must pick to very little picked after Winston buffs, and you're telling me the answer to that is just buff Reinhardt significantly? Like, I, I kind of feel like Rain and Winston a little bit, and that should be fine. Just don't never nerf, always buff. Just make all the pair, all the characters OP. I just like the idea of a Reinhardt coming at you as being a terrifying thing and an unstoppable force versus now it's just like, oh, it's just any other tank. You can just kill him instantly. I mean, it makes sense. Look at his armor, dude. It makes sense in the lore. Like, you, he could have an insane amount of armor and it would make perfect sense. I don't know. I, I think I, I don't I know. know. I think <laughs> I'd rather keep t the other thing too is that I don't want tank power creep. Like already, Winston is pretty insane in what he does relative to DPS characters. Like I don't want to double down on that and be like, let's actually make Reinhardt insane. Well, by the way, at the same time, Diva is still insane. Like I don't like tank power creep. While at the same time, there's a trend of nerfing DPS. Mm -hmm. Like that, I would much rather bring down tanks when they're too strong than just like let's continually buff the tank so now Reinhardt's really good yeah. and let's buff Winston again I mean, and now Winston puts a glance at a DPS character and they just fall before his monkey greatness like please let, calm down a little bit yeah okay well all obviously right, disagree all right. obviously <laughs> we're all gonna disagree on that one but uh we need to wrap up uh, uh Jacob thanks for stopping by and giving us the the 411 and a lot of the stuff with the Overwatch announcement and uh it's your first time here been doing shows for you for a while so this is really really cool and uh you want to do some shout outs where can people find you uh you can find me on twitter at at jacob in wolf uh you can find espn's esports department on twitter at espn underscore esports um yeah we have a lot of plans for overwatch we're, we're gonna keep watching or keep writing about it and hope to be a consistent credible and unbiased and objective news source for overwatch so we need more of those. <laughs> we'll definitely have to have you on, man. Next time we got we got another big announcement here. Uh, ZP, I suspect you'll have a few. <laughs> yeah, exactly. ZP, want to do a shout out? Uh, yeah, follow me Twitter at Tempo ZP. Basically, it. Also, definitely check out the Overwatch World Cup this summer. Shanghai is coming up this weekend. Australia after that. And, of course, two more events in Poland and California, respectively. So definitely check all that out. It's going to be great. And that's just the beginning. There's still, of course, mm -hmm. the finals going on later in the year. Good those, summer for Overwatch. Those Chinese time zones, man, they're killer. I was, like, watching the Hearthstone Championship last weekend, and it was, like, I was dying because I had to stay up, like, so late. Um, Fish sticks. Uh, it's Dude, the summer of Overwatch esports is finally beginning. Uh, I mean, the it started with contenders. We had beat. Next week is Shanghai for mm -hmm. Overwatch World Cup. Yep. Then we go straight to Sydney. We've got, of course, the U.S. or wherever it's going to be, somewhere in L.A. 
Uh, maybe Burbank. maybe Burbank, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> and then and then uh, Katowice for Poland. Of course, contender season one is right after that, and then we're basically off to BlizzCon. So next couple months are going to be pretty uh, entertaining. And I don't know, like I, I feel like people aren't as hype as they should be. The first World Cup matches start this weekend, guys. It's mm-hmm. going to be hype as hell. I'm going to Evo, but you better bet that when I'm coming home from playing blackjack <laughs> until until two in the morning, I'm gonna I'm gonna check out Man. Shanghai the the Shang, not the Shanghai major. That's the I'm gonna check out World Cup from Shanghai because it's gonna be it's gonna be fucking awesome. So you guys should t- stay tuned. Lots to watch this summer. Yeah, definitely great time for for all those teams and folks that are playing in it um but yeah you can find this show on my youtube channel youtube.com slash uh you can find uh, my twitter too at chamanv the show's twitter is the overview gg and if you ever have any questions we didn't get to q a today but if you have any questions you can email it to the overview at chamanv.tv and we'll try to get to them next week but uh you can also find the show on itunes and you know if you enjoy the show want to help out just the SEO for the show, like on iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud. Go ahead and uh, shoot us a, a nice comment and rating, and uh, that would help us out a lot. But that's going to be it, guys, for the overview this week. So for Jacob Wolf, ZP, Fish Sticks, and myself, Champion B, we'll see you next time. <laughs>